Our scripture this morning is taken from the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 will be focusing on verses 21 through the end of the chapter, 43. The beginning of that chapter, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, I'm going to start reading at 21, but I did want to take note of what had happened before Jesus had crossed the Sea of Galilee over to the other side, and on that other side were not people who really loved or worshipped the Lord, they were people who were wayward, and when Jesus gets to that side, he meets a man who's filled with demons, who's living among the tombs, who shrieks and cries upon seeing Jesus, and then the report is that many times he had been shackled and bound, but he went about naked or in rags and shrieked and cried and cut himself. Brokenness, and Jesus casts the demons out into the herd of pigs, and the pigs then run down a steep incline off a cliff into the Sea of Galilee and drown. It's a horror. The whole scene is ugly and broken and frightening. But the man is there healed and the townspeople come to the scene and find this this crazy demon-possessed man in his right man in his right mind clothed, healed. And their reply to that is, leave. Really? Yes. Not, wow, God, thank you, Lord, praise God. The healing power of God's in our midst. Stay. It was, leave. And the demon-possessed man wants to leave with Jesus. But he sends him forth into that region to proclaim what God had done for him and makes him an agent of mercy as one who received mercy, makes him a herald of the word, a witness of one who had received such power of God in his life. Now we start the reading here. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter's dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. 
When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against You, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering." While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter's dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, only believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, And John, the brother of James, when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl. I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them, to give her something to eat. Thus our reading from God's holy word. May he bless this word to us. I want to start out by talking about dead ends. Because sometimes our life feels like, well, here's a dead end. Maybe you feel like searching for a pastor's a dead end. You know, get your hopes up, make some progress, and boom, nothing again nothing. And then there's things that hurt us deeply. There's a disease that you're not going to get an answer to, not in this life, dead end. There's a relationship that came to a dead end. There are situations that you're placed in, maybe at work, in your neighborhood, your family, extended family, dead end. Or you look at your own struggles of faith your own habits of heart. I wish I was not this way. It, it really gets in the way. It wounds my life a lot. Dead end. Well, look at the demoniac. Talk about a dead end life. A group of women get together and start talking about their children. Well, you know, he did get that land over here, so he's starting to spread his work over here and Oh, well, he's part of a shipping business over here. And, and what about your son? Oh, 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 yeah, that's right. The demon man. Dead end. 
You might know people who are addicted to alcohol or drugs. Dead end. And yet, the demon man, it wasn't a dead end, finally. Or you can get on the other, back to the other side of the lake. A dying daughter, hurry, quick, dead end. Or a woman who had spent all she had trying to find healing for an unmentionable kind of disease. Gone broke for an answer. Dead end. This sermon is entitled Only Believe. Because here in this passage, Jesus calls needy believers to believe. Now, if you don't think you're needy, then you just have to sit patiently for a while. I don't know how many people put themselves in that, co- that category. I'm needy. I could go down a list of things that break me, hurt me, wound me, disappoint me. And we can also dig into our past and things perhaps that are broken there. and Kind of a hurtful gift that keeps on giving. And the devil always wants us to say, dead end. Be a needy believer and don't believe. Jesus says, only believe. Now what we're going to do is first look at these needs, kind of helicopter view, hovercraft, drone. We're going to give a glimpse of these needs a minute. And then we're going to look more precisely at them. And the last thing we're going to do is talk about, speaking of needs, the need of faith. And that's something for all of us. Now, first, look at this little overview of needs. Jesus had healed this man, this demon man, on this one side of the lake, comes back to the good side, so to speak, And the gospel writer Mark records what happens. A Jewish religious uh, ruler of the synagogue, a man named Jairus, he was there. And this would have been a man who had some status. He would have been uh, a person within the community that people looked up to, a godly sort of guy. After all, he's a leader of the synagogue. That's where they came and worshipped God and so forth. He would have had some wealth and prominence. When Jesus had crossed, gotten to the other side, a large crowd's there, and there's Jairus, and he falls at his feet. He's desperate because he's faced a dead end. My daughter's dying. It's acute. It needs immediate attention. Come, help, heal. We need you. And he's not ashamed to grovel. He's desperate. Please, Lord, come, Lord. You're the answer, Lord. My little daughter's dying. Come, put your hands on her that she may be healed and live. So Jesus heads out. And so does a big throng of people about him. You know, some people like to follow Jesus. They were impressed with miracles. They like to see the power of God. It was 
It was exciting. And his little girl is almost dead. It's, it's dire. No doubt he's churning with fear. No doubt, let's walk faster. Come on, let's make haste. And meanwhile, in the midst of this, there's this woman, part of the crowd, who had suffered for 12 years with a bleeding condition. And she was a desperate soul, too. She faced her own kind of dead end. She had tried and tried. She'd spent all her money. She'd used it all on doctors to solve this miserable physical problem she had. No answer, just more misery, and now she's gone broke. Dead end. But here's Jesus. Maybe this is an answer. Maybe here's a hope. She has a chronic disease problem, a disease that's over time. It just keeps, it's there, and it's there, and it's there. No answer. And now here's Jesus. An answer. If I can just touch his cloak. I'm an old woman muscling my way through the throng. If I can just touch him. This is Jesus. And this is what happens. She touches him and Jesus says, who's touched me? And his disciples are like, well, this is silly. Everyone's bumming and banging up against you. How can you say who touched you? But she was reaching out in faith for an answer from God for her dead end. And Jesus felt the power go forth from him. He stops the entourage. He stops the march to the dying girl. And he wants to know who touched me. Now, of course, if you're, the, if you're Jarius, you're filled with anxiety. Don't stop. More haste. Hurry. What are you doing? But Jesus makes her identify herself, and we're told that she came forward and told the whole truth. Now, this doesn't make a lot of sense by our way of calculating life and how it ought to work and what God ought to be doing. Everyone knows if you have a bunch of war wounded, you do what's called triage. And this one has a horrible chest wound, needs immediate care. This one just has a bullet through his leg, and it's not that bad. He can wait. This is acute, immediate attention. That can wait. She dealt with it for 12 years. The girl was 12 years old. As long as that girl had been alive, this woman had this problem. You can wait another day or later in the afternoon. Get to the acute problem. Hurry up, Jesus, hurry. Jesus will not be hurried. I, I say that because that's how we live. Here's the problem. Pray, pray, pray. Lord, I'm really repentant now. I'm really humble now. You really got my attention now. Now answer my prayer. I've done that. I've done that many times. Now you got my attention. Okay. Now I'm really praying, and now, 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 now that I'm really doing it, come through for me. Now. 
It's not malpractice. It's not that Jesus doesn't understand the concept of triage. But while we shout our little hurry, hurry prayers, God often won't be hurried. And then we're told that while they were speaking there with the woman, some people from the town or from the home come and say, don't bother the teacher, your daughter's dead, it's over. Didn't get there in in time, dead end. Jesus failed. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, only believe. Ooh. Wow. That's hard to take. But you see, that's needy believers who need to believe. Think about it. If you had a a child that was in a car wreck and they need this very delicate surgery fast, and there is a surgeon nearby, he just happens to be on the golf course this afternoon, well, go get him, call him, get him here as fast as possible. And he's like looking at his watch, well, I still have the back nine, you know, I don't want to miss out. And it's like, hurry, come on. This is an immediate need. If you go to a wedding, I just did a wedding not too long ago. Okay, there, there's the bride, okay. Okay, there's the groom, all right. (laughs) You want everyone there. You want it on time. They wanted the service to start, the organist and pianist and trumpeter or whoever was part of it. You know, we have this music calculated, so people need to be seated on time. We care in our culture quite a bit about time, but there are cultures in which, imagine you have someone with our time schedule, a Western bride, and then marrying someone whose cultural context for time is eh, 15, 30 minutes, even an hour, you know, it's in the ballpark, whatever. (laughs) The Westerners are wringing their hands, going crazy. Well, you see, we want to put God on our time schedule. Now, I prayed this prayer. I should see an answer immediately, soon. If God's real, if God is there, if God cares, if God loves me, when I have a need, he'll meet it. Now. That woman had had a need for 12 years and it hadn't been met. The answer to her prayer was yes, but the answer came 12 years later. The answer to Jarius's prayer, his home, his household, everyone who cared, is now... Now give me an answer. And Jesus lets it get worse before it gets better. Wow. What is God doing? 
That's exactly what we, what we ask ourselves. What, what, what is God doing? Jesus knows exactly what his, he's doing. But his grace rarely operates according to our schedule. We want to put God on a schedule. Abraham and Sarah got a promise that through them, they would have a promised seed, and from him would finally come a blessing for all the nations of the earth, and that real blessing wouldn't be, well, oh, Sarah can't get pregnant. And they go years, and they become old, dried-up people, and no baby. Well, let's, let's help God out. You know, God needs our help. Let's, let's try Hagar, and we'll make Ishmael, this other. No. But it's impossible. Exactly. Only believe. We think what Jesus does here is disgraceful. Stopping this march to help a dying girl while this old woman's getting in the way with her minor problem by comparison. We think God delays answers to prayer as if he doesn't love us. Have it ever occurred to us he delays answers to prayer because he loves us? It's a hard lesson to learn, but you need to believe. Now, there's the overview, quickly. Now, let's dig in just a little bit. It's precisely because of the delay that both Jairus and the woman get far more than they asked for. But understand, when you go to Jesus for help, you might both need to give more and then get more from him than you ever expected. Did you hear that? You go to Jesus for help. You're going to get more, but you might have well to give more than you ever expected. We're told that the girl is dead, a dead end. Well, that's the end. But Jesus says, no, we're going anyway. And he arrives there with Peter and James and John, and there's this commotion, and people are crying and wailing in hysteria. It's, it's a scene you would expect with a dead daughter. And Jesus says, she's only asleep. And they laugh at him. Look, we know what dead is. Come on. This guy's crazy. He puts them all out of the room, and there with the parents and his disciples, Jesus goes to this girl, and he takes her by the hand, and what he says, the language he uses, is not, oh Lord, by the power of your sovereign majesty, conquer, beat back death, and resurrect her. That's not what he says. What he says is the same little words you would use if your little child was there sleeping and you gently wake them up. Little girl, in our idiom, something like 
pumpkin, munchkin, <laughs> sweetie, little, little one, wake up. Do you believe that for Jesus to heal this girl or resurrect her from the dead is for him the same thing? Do you believe that it's as easy for Jesus to bring us back from the dead as for you as a parent to nudge a little sleeping child? Get up, sweetheart. You need to believe. I know you're a needy believer. I am too. We need to believe God. Trust him. Depend upon him. Wait upon him. But he might ask you, and since you're seeking to get something from him, he might be asking you to give more than you expect. He might be demanding more faith from you than you realize. It wasn't malpractice. It wasn't lack of love that delays Jesus. I'll show you more love of God and more miracle of God and more power of God. When it's a dead end, I'll show you life again. You weren't expecting that, were you? And then take the woman. The sick woman wanted to just touch and run. She wanted, oh, if I can just, and now she can be healed, and now I can fade back out of the crowd, and I can go home, and I can finally have a life, and I can thank God privately and maybe share it with a few friends, and, and oh, aren't I a blessed person in Jesus? No, I'm going to give you more than you expect, and you're going to need to give more than you were ready for. He makes her go public. Who was it? Stop. Who's the woman? Who, did, who touched me? Who it is? And she comes in fear, trembling, and confesses the whole truth in front of everybody. Her little hidden secret, her shameful disease that made her ceremonially unclean, and there she is bumping against everyone in the crowd with all those rules of those days, those ceremonial stipulations from the law of Moses, all violated. And now here I'm the one I'm... And you remember? Going public, she's a gift to all of us. A private little healing did her great good, but not the rest of us. Making her go public is a blessing for every one of us. Look what God does. Daughter. She gets a benediction from Jesus. A word of blessing. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. Her life is transformed. We all need our lives transformed, healed, helped. Even if what we're going to deal with is chronic, it hangs in there. It's pain that keeps on giving. You know, Paul had one of those thorns in the flesh, whatever it was. He had to learn to live a life of 
God's grace is sufficient for you. I keep you on your knees. I keep you humble. I keep you needy. You're a needy believer who continually continually needs to believe. We all do. See, if you go with Jesus, he may ask of you far more than you plan to give, but he'll give you so far more, infinitely more than you dare to ask or think. Maybe you have a wayward child or grandchild. Their life is broken. You can't reach them. You can't fix it. So all you can do is believe. Lord, I trust you. I look to you for the answer. Maybe you've had disappointments. Maybe you have a debilitating physical problem, a thorn in the flesh. Only believe. Maybe you've lost a spouse. You're hurting. You're lonely. Maybe you have an illness that you bear that's chronic. Maybe you've only known financial trials all your life. It's not likely to get that much better, if at all. You're a needy believer who needs to believe. And you're a church that's been waiting for a pastor for some time and had disappointments. It's not because God loves you less that you haven't had this prayer answered according to your schedule. Maybe it's because he loves you more that he's showing you what we need what we need more than a pastor is the chief shepherd jesus believe trust and then that brings us to the need of faith <laughs> we have needs all over and with our needs needy believers needing to believe we need to only believe him the need of faith now, as far as Jairus and the disciples are concerned, the way we would calculate things, he shouldn't have paused for the woman, should have gone straight ahead to the girl. But notice what happens. Now that it's a dead girl, not a dying girl, Jesus does a work that shows us what we weren't prepared to believe. Sure, Jesus can heal someone dying, but now she's dead. It's useless. It's a dead end, so it's the end. That's not what Jesus says. It wasn't malpractice. It wasn't lack of love. It wasn't because God isn't aware of schedules and timetables and situations and where we're all at and how it all fits together because he knows that far better than we do. In fact, that's why we put God on a schedule. The way I see it, it has to happen like this and just and so. And if it can't, then it's a disaster and it's a failure and it's done. And God's helpless to do anything wrong. We live in a society in which there's hucksters of religion that make all these big promises. If you can just believe hard enough and sacrifice enough and do God enough favors, he'll reward you with health and wealth and big smiles and an incredible life. Hmm, 
seems like when I read the Bible, I don't read much about that at all. It seems like you have all these faithful people that actually have a tough life, hardship, testing, struggle, oppression, persecution. Hmm. No servant is greater than his master. They crucified him. Hmm. Could they be wrong? I think so. See, the last thing the devil wants you to do is believe. Accuse God. Get angry with God. Throw darts at God. Deny God. Deny Jesus. Jesus says only believe. It's so tender what happens here as he comes to that girl, takes her hand with her parents, The unbelievers laughing are out there in this room with all our brokenness and neediness. Little girl, sweetie, sweetie, wake up. And she does. But it's a dead end and God gives life. But there's no answer and he gives an answer. Jesus is the ultimate loving parent who takes us all by the hand and is telling us in Jesus Christ to rise up, to walk with him, to know, you know, we literally do live under his benediction. You'll get one at the end of this service. That's, that's not just filler words to say bye. It means God favors you. You're blessed by him. And so ask yourself where you're needy. Maybe it's a job you need or a job you lost or a different job. Or maybe it's, Lord, I need the grace to deal with the job I'm in and you've placed me in. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's marital struggle where we need to be humble and forgiving. Maybe it is a disease, physical problem. Maybe it's old age, and man, it comes with all this stuff. And you're not going to get young yet, not till resurrected body. <laughs> believe. Only believe. You see, what belief does is you're empty-handed. I can't, Lord, you can. I have no answers. You're the answer. I can't see how it works out, but I trust you to work my life for your glory and purpose. I'm a needy believer, and I'm in a world of needy believers that need new beginnings. A demoniac, dead end, but made whole and testifying of Jesus. A Job loses family, children, wealth, health. Wife says, curse God and die, he's against you. Friends betray you, theologically abuse you with their ideas of God. But finally, it's God who blesses Job and restores his life. Israel, a whole people, likened in the Bible to a dead stump, a cut-off down tree, dead end, and yet there's a shoot from the stump of Jesse that's finally Jesus Christ. New beginning. 
frightened church. They're persecuting us, you know. Let's huddle and hide. We're next. Power of spirit like tongues of fire. Empowered church now bear witness. Dead end, new beginning. Only believe. Dark valley of the shadow of death. Yet his rod and staff comfort us. A Saul becomes a Paul. Praise God for dead ends. Now we can learn only to believe. Amen. Lord, bless your word to us. Help us. Let us see that you love us. Let us believe in a way that as we wait, you're teaching us more than we were expecting to learn. Do this for us. For Jesus is our priceless treasure. Amen.